0: BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 7 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Cheering at pro wrestling shows in Japan is back. and 2023 is already shaping up to be a big year in the history of pro res. That's why you should listen to the Emerald Flow Show. From the Royal Road to the Green Mat, Paul and Gerard take you into the world of All Japan Pro Wrestling and Pro Wrestling NOAA. Not only do we analyze events, but we examine business, who is getting over, what angles are working, or not. Occasionally, we take a look at other Japanese promotions like DDT and Zero One. So if you're looking for more coverage of the world of Japanese wrestling, check out the Emerald Flow Show on the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Available on all of your favorite podcast apps.
1: This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit voicesofwrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions and updates across the world of wrestling. To the
0: highway, In a brand new day. Got to let it go. So to finger <laughs> down so- tonight
2: Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for November 14th, 2023. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network or our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms or applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you'd like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our, our redcircle.com landing spot. You click the red box to sponsor this podcast, Inge Sepa, one time or reoccurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm with your host, it's your pal, Mike Spears, joining alongside, as always, your other host, Case Lowe. In Case, how are you doing today? It feels like that we finally had the big Dragon Gate show we kind of were waiting.
1: I'm doing very well. I, I'm in a very good mood. I have a cranberry sprite. I am watching the Pacers currently win a basketball game, although there's a lot of time left to be played. And we're coming off the heels of what I think have been two excellent weeks of Dragon Gate programming. You know, we obviously had Gate of Destiny last week, which you and I talked extensively about. We thought the Open the Dream Gate match was one of the better Dragon Gate matches of the year. We liked the Brave Gate match. We liked the Twin Gate match. There was a lot of things that we liked in terms of the direction this company was going in. And then we come into this Cork and Hall show, which, you know, I didn't think looked thrilling on paper. I thought the undercard in particular looked a little weak and I wasn't sure what we were going to get from a few of the matches on this show just because they were so obviously set up to be angles. And what we got was, you know, not the most exciting undercard, but we got some stuff on these Dragon Gate shows that has actually created a little bit of buzz between the semi main event and the main event. There are people that are, are not always keen on modern Dragon Gate, whether I agree or not is irrelevant, that are enjoying the Cork and Hall matches the last two on this show. So I, I'm in a very good mood. There was a lot to talk about this week, and I have I have no complaints.
2: Yeah, I feel like this Cork and Hall show that we're going to be spending the uh, lion's share of the show this week talking about. This was the show from Thursday. Then the ninth case has the written review up on voices of wrestling dot com. I think that this show in a lot of ways is that typical Dragon Gate show that people would talk about from 2013 through 2016 about like, okay, the undercard is there for 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 what it was i mean like we did have good undercards then but i i didn't have anything that i would call unoffensive uh, or offensive some stuff actually i felt like over delivered there and then we closed out with the with the hot uh eight man tag and the big angle coming out of the main event it just was something where like we kind of were feeling like at least i, I can only speak myself but for a while, it just kind of felt like we were building up to like this like one big moment that was going to kick off everything into the uh, back parts of 2023 and looking into 2024. And I think with Big Hug, we got that moment. And if you look at how really the last two and a half weeks have gone in the company, we are starting to see some movement on a unit shift level that was, I, I, I feel like, really needed. And especially coming out of Corkin with uh, now Hio with uh, Luis Monte, I think we have to look at this as like, all right, we are, they, they are used to like having a lot of plate spinning at one time, but at a certain level, we haven't had a, a at least storyline segment, I would say like this in a couple of years. That, at least that's how it feels like to me. No.
1: And, and just to zoom out for a second, you know, you go back to, to world. And you have the unmasking of of then Diamante, now Luis Monte. And so we all we all have this thought of what the next few months are gonna look like. It turns out that he goes home. I still think it was to recover from an injury, but he goes home. Luckily, Gate sort of gets a gift. They get King of Gate, they don't need him involved, and so they're you know, they're they're in this spot where okay, they can focus on other things. You get the Shimizu story and the menorah story, and they collide with one another, and you have the King of Gate finals. You go into Dangerous Gate, which I think we would all agree, okay, maybe not the best build there. We roll into September, and all of the focus in the company turns to and Revolution. He has, you know, what, six matches, you know, seven matches, and then he gets hurt and is still out for this extended period of time. And I told everybody when he got hurt, I said, you know, this is obviously not what they drew up. It's not what they want. It's not what I want. There could be a positive here, Uh, you know, in the same way that every box of Lucky Charms has marshmallows. This could be the marshmallows. And I, I talked about how in 2005, which we all consider to be one of the best years of the company, the first six months of that year were all done on the fly because Milano Collection AT left the company unexpectedly, and they had to rip up all their booking plans and kind of figure out things as they go, and it worked and in the immediate aftermath to TN getting hurt, we came on the show and went, God, Dragon it's really boring right now. Like, we, you know, we've covered this promotion for a long time. There are times where it's good. There's times when it's bad. It's never just boring like this. And they had that four-week run or so where it was really boring. And then they locked in on Shimizu versus Kakuta. And Monte came back. And you started seeing D courage, you know, get some momentum back. And it just all of a sudden, things became interesting. And whereas the last few years, it seems like Drangate in a large sense has built up to things. And then maybe that, you know, you're expecting a certain level of payoff and it just hasn't happened either due to injury or due to change in direction or whatever. This hit and it it hit in a big way. I am I am certainly not going to be the person to make these grandiose claims that Drangate is back because I don't think they ever went anywhere. I think that's very short sighted. I think that's poor analysis. But we are coming off of. A very good show and a very successful week at the box office. I want to talk about that real quick before I throw it back to you, Mike. I just want to note that, you know, after the poor number in Osaka for Gate of Destiny, they come in, they do 1356 at the Cork and Hall show. And the night before on the Dragon Dia fifth anniversary show, they did a full house there, 404 fans. I saw photos of that show before the attendance was announced. I honestly thought there were more people in the building. They filled that place up on the floor. It's one of those buildings where, uh, you know, Japanese wrestling, just for whatever reason, has these gymnasiums where the seating is on the floor. They don't really pull down the bleachers at all. So there was obviously room to cram more people in there. They just sold seats on the floor, and that place was packed. So a very good uh, box office, back-to-back shows for Dragon Gate.
2: And uh, with that show up in it, it's a Nagano prefecture. I think it was it's technically in, in Suzaka, but it's really that's the, uh, the the biggest place that they could find to get and to, to, to run the show basically for Daya, being able to like I'm looking right now just uh, j- just population wise around uh, Suzaka, that that's a significant population showing up to it. So.
1: Yeah, yeah, Suzaka City. I mean, they ran here in 2022 and I think they did like 300 fans for it, but I mean it's, you know, it's another one of those examples of Drangit going to a tiny town and I you know, I don't think like, let me look at the history of where they they ran this city before. So they did 2007, 2012, 2022 in surrounding areas not even that place specifically so this is a, a, you know not a hotbed but it is where dragon is from and so they give it a little bit more love now
2: Yeah like the only other person that i believe is from just like his general area is Ata and they haven't done the Ata homecoming shows for like a decade or so No so, I, that's
1: a great point i don't remember the last Ata homecoming show
2: Yeah yeah so it's it's one of those things that when you look at and you're you're talking about how you make money in wrestling at least dragon gates the one company though that still very sticks to like the touring model although all japan's starting to tour a little bit more again too which... yes
1: and, and all japan did uh 1320 for their most recent cork and hall show so dragon Gate gets the edge but you know it's essentially flat there even steven uh, on a loaded show that i i'm gonna sit down and watch at some point because they did doi versus Atsuki oyagi and then the main event Miyahara and Yuma Aoyagi versus Galeno Del Mall and Hayato Tamora. I heard Hayato Tamora, who, of course, people listening to this show know he's the most over guy in Gleed. I heard he was excellent in that match.
2: Yeah, it, it, it's something where I, I. All Japan's figured it out, I feel like.
1: All Japan's very interesting. Yeah. And, and people that have listened to this show know I like All Japan less than everybody else. But I'm also fascinated by them because whereas pre Muda retirement tour, you know, Noah was doing some abysmal numbers in Cork and Hall, but they would do really well for these big shows in All Japan. And this, I'm talking a year or two ago, even, you know, almost three years ago now. Like All Japan didn't crush these big shows, they didn't tour a ton, but they would do these great Cork and numbers. They were kind of on par with what Drangate was doing and what Stardom was doing. And now, I mean, All Japan seems to have real momentum. Nakajima for however long he lasts there, and I hope it's longer than it seems like it's going to be. You know, he is to me appointment viewing whatever he does in All Japan. And I personally am finding enjoyment in this promotion more so than I have in a very long time. I, I like, I like Doi. I like the fact that he's in there. I like that they use an Abe for the Junior Battle Glory tournament. And, you know, Miyahara and the Aoyagi plural Yuma and Atsuki, I think are both very, very entertaining.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting time there. And it's something where, as we kind of see uh, more now that we're approaching, I would say, almost not a full year of everyone just open touring and everyone just basically having blanket open, uh, open restrictions. But we're getting close to that and that's when i like go and i see oh pro wrestling noah does this tour of hokkaido for the first time in however so long when really not very many people go up to hokkaido other than like okay gleek goes because t hawks from there but it's not the whole up there and you're seeing like new buildings that they're starting to pack in it's one of those things that you kind of especially in areas like that you kind of take note of i felt like but uh the the, the G-
1: Noah thing is crazy real quick. I I was looking at them yesterday. They've run 68 shows this year. 69 now, I think. That's nice. Nothing. Nice.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean that's that,
1: that nice. Oh, the oh, hate to blow by that, you're right. Nice. I mean Drangate that's like that's what they've done since July. Yeah. I I'm just I'm so intrigued and it's, you know, it's 68 shows, 25 of which have been in Tokyo. They seem to have no local promoters outside of that market. And now, I mean, you know, they just did, they did 405 fans in Osaka number two a few days ago.
2: And it's something where I'm actually now like pulling up like their rotation case. And it is essentially, if they aren't running places where they run TV, it's not happening. Like it's, it, 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 it's something where, at least with noah when you say it's 29 shows how many of those like like they've been doing this uh, Mon- monday magic thing uh for now for just about a month if not so that's six more shows that are just that so you what you're really looking at maybe are 20 shows outside of tokyo this year for them maybe yeah and-
1: it, it's it's just it's crazy and they have no buzz and it blows my mind as somebody that has the interest that I have and is into the things that I am, like I knew Mudo made a big difference in this company in terms of their, their Western viewing habits. I can't believe just, I mean, as soon as he retired, people were done with Noah. It blows my mind. I can't believe it. And I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying people should watch it. I've lost interest as well, but that's just because I'm not a Jake Lee guy and I'm not a Kiyomiya guy and Goshi Ozaki was out, and now Nakajima's gone, and I'm not really into LJ Cleary, with all due respect. So it's just, there's such an odd promotion, but the way they shed Western viewers post-Mudo retirement is really mind-blowing to me.
2: So for the interests of just being clear about this, if you take Yokohama out of it, it's even worse, really. But Like, they do run Sendai, they do run Osaka, they do run... Awate occasionally but if it's not tokyo or like the overall tokyo area it, when you include yokohama it gets pretty or kawasaki also kind of not local local but like in the general region i would say case it gets they they don't run a lot outside of tokyo or the major cities
1: And something we've talked about on the show that I don't think a lot of other podcasts that cover Japanese wrestling do, but something that's really important to note for 2024, the Nagoya Aichi Perfectual Gymnasium is going under, I don't know if it's renovation or if it's closing down. I think they're doing renovations on it, but it's going to be closed all year next year. So that is a huge blow to Dragon Gate because as we've talked about, that is their seemingly best market. It's the market where they most rival New Japan. It is a shot for Gleet because if you're going to bring an SB Kento, you would certainly want to be able to capitalize on his hometown market. And you can't do that in a midsize venue anymore. And for Noah, this is a spot where they run GHC heavyweight championship matches. So you're losing a midsize venue that actually really matters to that promotion. And so you're looking at probably less and less states outside of Tokyo now.
2: Yeah. And it, it's where I, there is an argument population-wise that if you're starting a company in Japan, you're better off starting in either Tokyo or Osaka just population-wise. But, man, that's just a lot of underserved uh, just, like, environments like like, like Suzuzaka, like for Nagano for uh, Dragon Diet Hometown. I mean, like, this is one of those overall things that, you know, th- th- we talk about, like, oh, these people that get into wrestling – that are from the smaller towns in Japan, it's not that they aren't seeing Noah and Noah's getting them into wrestling. And it, it, especially now, even more so now that there's very little wrestling on like easy to access TV in Japan right now. It's all either on a Bima or behind like cable walls. So it it, 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 it it it's one of those things that stands out, I would say.
1: Hey, look, it's crazy to me, just the lack of a footprint Noah seems to have Within the rest of the country, whereas, you know, Drangit, this is their bread and butter. All Japan continues to tour more and more. I I, you can tell me if I'm wrong. I don't get the impression that stardom is doing gangbusters business outside of Tokyo. Like I don't uh, do, do they do extremely well in Osaka? I'm not saying they bomb there. I'm not saying they don't have any sort of presence, but I don't. I, I don't haven't. know for sure i mean it doesn't i don't feel like they're doing great anyways right now i know they just had that brutal cork and show it looks like their last osaka number two show did 486 i mean that's pretty rough and that's just one show i, I everybody relax not, they it, have, not on stardom as a whole as everybody i'm just you know free-flowing conversation here uh, right but, and,
2: and and that is also interestingly enough case uh, we know that like dragon gate and new japan they basically run Edeon or you know Sokka. If not back to back nights, it's usually within the same weekend for like the last decade. That's yeah. always been the thing. Uh, Stardom has their Edeon Arena soccer show coming up uh, this week.
1: Okay, all right. I'll, I'll be I'll be curious to know what that does. You know, something we didn't talk about last week because I. I don't think it's worth noting. I don't think had this not been the case, Dragon Gate would have done 3,000 fans in Gate of Destiny. So I wanted to avoid the conversation entirely because I, there's it's just hard to balance not making it look like an excuse because I don't think it is. It, it was noted to me, and again, we talked last week, there was a number of VoiceGate listeners at the show, uh, people that that I trust that, that live in Japan that go to a lot of Dragon Gate shows that offer very good insight into this podcast. They did note to me, that they were playing uh, Game 7 of the Japan series with a Kobe-based team and an Osaka-based team oh, yeah. as the- Gate of Destiny was going on. And the the way the person described it was like, look, it wouldn't have mattered if the fucking Beatles were playing uh, in Edie I- Osaka when Gate of Destiny was going on. The country was focused on Game 7 of the Japan series. That was the biggest deal there was. Again, yeah. I, don't- I don't think it makes a difference uh, to the I- Drag Gate number. I still think they would have done that, but... I was, I was reminded by two different people. It was heavy, heavy competition in the local market.
2: And I mean, I I would say like, maybe not like a, the difference between the 2400 and the 3000. Like, I think that that's, you you can't say that, but maybe 24 and 2450, maybe like, I think that's, I mean, because like case, I know that you basically keep surface level on the NPB like, the, the the curse of colonel sanders is now lifted like this is like the big curse in in japanese baseball was happening
1: i, I was again I, w- I was talking to somebody who lives in that area who was just going you don't understand how big of a deal this is you know this was what everybody was paying attention to so i again i you know as, especially after just listening to a podcast with someone whom i respect but somebody who was wanting to credit a wrestler with drawing records for shows they weren't on i certainly don't want to get into this argument of well you know they actually would have done better if they weren't going against baseball no if the main event was hot they would have done a better number but i i'm now very curious to see what startup does without the heavy you know at the very least they probably killed a lot of that walk up that night with the with the japan series going on game seven and two local teams and a big curse at stake it was sort of a perfect right. storm for hey we're probably not going to get a lot of people just waltzing up to the venue tonight
2: yeah, and it seems like that—that that is something now that I'm really thinking about it that, like, I never bring up when it happens just because it just always feels like it's just, like, of course their are luck. It does seem like that. How many, like how many like big shows go by they're like oh there's a typhoon this day there's something <laughs> there there's been something i i feel like for dragon gate at least for the last 24 months and, and that's outside of covid of course like the biggest walk-up killer of all that i feel like that every big show i would i would hear or we would hear it's like oh yeah no uh, we couldn't really set up the merch tents outside of world cannon hall because there's a typhoon or something Uh, happening like that's something next time we have jay
1: on which i think you and i are going to do in january so everybody mark your calendars we need we need to talk about that there does seem to be a recurring theme of like hey this one time worldly event happened in the market Gates running for a big show it is going to kill the walk-up business
2: (laughs) yeah yeah yeah
1: (laughs) Uh, i hadn't even thought about that you're right though
2: but the one thing that i i would argue has not killed up killed off walk-up business coming off the heels of the cork and hall show well case you made sure above all people i was always had in the back of my mind i've i've always been pro big cat on this program but case you were the one who was always making sure everyone says like you you need to understand Hio and monte they have a deep friendship and keep your eye on it keep your eye on it Lo and behold, what do we have coming out of the Cork and Hall main event? The four on one Luis Monte versus Z Bratz match. Shun Skywalker, Kai, Hio, and Ishin. But Hio turning on Z Bratz in the dying moments of the match, costing uh, Shun the match. It, he quickly was, it was a powder attack gone wrong, as a lot of these Dragon Gate turns tend to be going straight into a slingshot uh, and Rana for. Luis Monte winning, taking down Zebrats in the post-match. It's clear these two are aligned. Uh, They're going with Big Hug right now because of the Big Hug that uh, Ishikawa on Japanese commentary was going. Oh, Big Hug. Did you see that clip, Case?
1: I did, yes.
2: Yeah, yeah. So we're going with that going forward. We do have for the uh, upcoming Cork and Hall show coming up. I believe it's the first on this uh, in December, but the first Cork and Hall show of December, we have two matches announced off of the heels of that. It is the, uh, December 5th. Yeah, it's December Hall 5th. Show. They're
1: in Hokkaido, the, uh, first, second, third.
2: Yeah. But, uh, we have two matches for that show. Uh, Luis Monte does not get his hands on Shun Skywalker so easily. He gets Kai and Ishin puts the brave gate on the line against Hyo, who points out bright, pr- quite, uh, pointedly, he is under 82 kilos, so if you want to fight him, you're putting the belt on the line as well.
1: I thought all of this was just excellent, and look, I, I, I'd i be remiss if I didn't say put it in the fucking case was right folder. I, I told everybody for six months, Hyo and Monte are are going to be teaming with one another when they both turn face, and I I I felt very strongly about that. I felt like I, I uh, had a lot of information that was pointing in that direction, that those guys were going to be teaming with uh, one another once this face turn happened, and it happened in the most satisfying way possible. I mean, this felt like one of the most memorable moments of the entire year. Not quite on the level of say the Dragon Daya unmasking for a few years ago, but if we look at the five-year period as we continue to do, you know, whether you want to go 5 years and the, the change in ownership or you want to go 3 years in terms of when Rio Saito got the pencil, you know, we've talked about the eras lately and the memorable moments and the memorable matches, and this is certainly going to go up there. This Hyo Babyface turn was just done perfectly. It was exactly what it should have been. I thought the way the match was laid out was brilliant. I thought the turn was brilliant. I thought all of this stuff was so good. It ended in a satisfying way, and it feels like these two have a team, have real, genuine momentum.
2: It's something where I think that with Hyo, at the very least, I think some credit has to be given to knowing like, yes executing the turn is always such a big thing in dragon gate and being able to like get the crowd investment into it but i think him jumping into uh monte's arms like that th- that takes it up like a whole notch or two to a level now that for as long as if this thing really does have the uh, uh the the uh, wheels to it that we think it does uh that they can refer to this now pretty much now for the rest of Hyo's career doing that jump up with us it's it it plays off very well it now you already now with yoshiki kato joining zebra it's removing Hyo, you you are starting to evolve that heel unit into something where i still think we we think that there's some shakeups to be had there but it, it, we we now leave Cork and Hall and this really five week period since Monte coming back. And I think you, we take a step back and look at it. And I, I, I think these last five weeks have been exactly what the promotion has been needing after everything kind of not necessarily always been the spiciest when the attention's been on certain aspects of the promotion. As you were talking about pulling it back to here, now we take the step back and what 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 else can uh Luis Monte and Hio do to help uh, reverse the tide it, it seems like they've they, they they found like the way to get the the Corkin audiences loud is that as we've heard in years so yeah,
1: absolutely I mean they, they've got they've got momentum because you know they're gonna have this match on the fifth where they've got the two singles matches I don't know if they're doing doy darts or something fun on the second Corkin show of the month or if they'll do you know a a Hio Monte tag. You can run another one in January. They'll, they'll probably get a third guy. You can run a trios match or an eight-man in February. It just feels like we are trending in the direction where Monte is going to be the focus of these Cork and Hall shows. And I think that's the right move because I think you look at him in this building going back to that Ju- that July Cork and show where he came out with Ultimo, announced that he wasn't doing King of Gate, but that he was going to come back and Gate was his home. Corican Hall is now his home building. This seems like a spot where, and I don't even think this is a dig on Kakuta, but Monte is kind of your main event guy now. And I think the promotion, given the number of this show did, I think they should absolutely be embracing that. I think going forward, we need to see Monte and Hyo in these main events until otherwise noted.
2: And it's something that just so everyone can kind of get a sense of this. uh, Luis Monte is not on the Okinawa tour, this weekend so that y- it's back to kakuda and you courage up top because that's what you kind of have to do with that so it is something that i feel like we'll see even more stark kind of compare and contrast this weekend at least with the the obvious tenor that it's an okinawa show and you have all that stuff that happens with okinawa
1: though those shows look rough i'm glad those are not on the network
2: yeah like uh, we know a year ago these shows would be and boy uh I, I i'm right now looking at some of the shows and my gosh because uh the, 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 the this is going to be a rough watch uh ho- I, I i'm glad we're just going to get a digest of it
1: yeah oh no it'll be it'll be palatable that way yeah, it's uh it's a rough looking rough looking time let me ask you in regards to monte i think you and i are both on the same page that when you talk about the foreigner mount rushmore you know it's Ricochet, Pac, and Monte in some sort of order. And then you want to go Jack Evans, you want to go Rich Swan, you know, you want to go Bandito or Flamita. I think those guys have a have a question there. But let's talk about the top three here. Just off of this moment alone, this Cork and Hall closer, which comes off of a year where, where Luis Monte has been in a number of massive moments. Where does he rank historically with Ricochet and Pac? And if he's not at the top of the list. What is going to help him surpass those guys in your eyes?
2: Okay, so I've. Next year, uh, we'll, we'll have a long talk about Ricochet and his Dragon Gate tenure. Like, we're coming up on an important anniversary in 2024. So, uh, the, his. The, the, I, I think the real, like, kind of positioning right here, at least for me personally, for the near term, Pac is number one, and that's cemented just for the near term. It, that that's not something that cannot be reassessed in a couple of years down the road after Monte gets this run. But at this moment, he's it's really you're talking about him and Ricochet, and Ricochet doesn't have this kind of emotional moment. He it, it is something where yes, he was a part of Monster Express and the team best friends thing, but everyone knows who uh tozawa was really excited about right like like everyone knows it was uha it wasn't ricochet and i think that that's something that will have him, like at this point where i do think he lags behind ricochet if only just because of counting stats for lack of better terms case i think that he has the intangible that he'll be able to cross by ricochet pretty quickly on those counting stats whereas pack is still a little bit in the distance in my mind
1: well let me let me ask you this What do you think, like, okay, so Monte has this great moment. What's the ricochet equivalent of that?
2: I mean, that's the hard thing. Like, is it him joining Monster Express? Is it, like Tozawa was saying it, like... like, How did he get there? I don't even, I don't remember how Tozawa... Was there an angle, or did he just
1: kind of show up in Orange one day?
2: Oh, this was all after how miserable Tozawa was after he got kicked out of Mad Blanky. And okay. he was teaming with his friends, which were Shingo Takagi and uh Uha Nation. Uha comes back in this big uh uh team best friends versus Mad Blanky thing when Mad when he's still a member of Mad Blanky and he refuses to face he refuses to fight his best friend. And that's yeah. how Uha joins. Do not remember Ricochet whatsoever. <laughs> yeah interesting uh um, there, there just isn't that moment for him
1: no, because it like he won the triangle gate belts on his first tour, but that was it was a victim of circumstances. it was final gate, it was Warriors international, and it was it was just what it doesn't have like I don't have a fond memory associated with that. The Brave Gate match where he beats pak in Osaka is a great match, but it's not like it wasn't like he was a made guy. You know the Yoshino thing, I think feels important to us, but it doesn't have that like oh my god like it's not a moment that I don't think Dreamgate fans really think of fondly. You know universally.
2: Well, it, well, we think of it as the encyclopedia entry for the first foreigner to win the Dreamgate.
1: Yeah, I.
2: Like, that's it.
1: I, I was I was just thinking a few days ago because I I keep on saying. Like the Tozawa stuff on my timeline, and then I I'll see like <laughs> I'll see I'll see Ricochet do like a moonsault, and they're like, "Man, Triple H is really letting him cook." And it it hit me he's been in WWE so long now. Yeah, I think there are people that listen to this podcast, or like people that listen to Rich and Joe or Jesse Collins, like smart, intelligent wrestling fans who don't know that Ricochet was like really the best wrestler in the world for like five years. Like it's hard to explain what 2014 Ricochet was. And then what 2016 Ricochet was like, he did it twice where, you know, MVPs in sports, like in the NBA, MVPs are often built on narratives. And there were two different years where Ricochet was like, it's mine guys. Like I'm actually going to go all around the world and just take all these titles and win all these tournaments. But he's been gone for so long now. I don't, like, there are people that have never seen, like, good Ricochet.
2: So, uh, I 2014 was the thing I was alluding to with Ricochet. Uh, yeah, the, 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 there, there might be a show mini series, or something coming about that in the next year. But it, it, it is something where, like, he has the accolades and the counting stats. And at, at one point, you could argue that if you are talking counting stats and kayfabe, by and large, no one had as a as a successful calendar year in wrestling as Ricochet had in 2014. Like it's just uh, he won so much. Like essentially is that what that boils down to. But he doesn't have these moments, and I think I'll, some of that also is the way that he was teamed with Shima in in a very protected role that no no one has ever been kind of baby birded as much as a wrestler as ricochet was by shima and no, I think,
1: I, i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about it in the next segment actually there's a <laughs> moment i want to talk about yeah yeah uh, let's put a pen in that part of it but like <laughs> baby, it, baby it, burning by the way is a great way to describe that
2: i mean there, there, there's no other way there, uh, no there, no there,
1: it's it's right on the money
2: there, there's no other way but i i guess like the the thing that's going to be so interesting about this with uh with monte as we compare and contrast him against the other two is uh ricochet we kind of saw essentially like coming in spike mohican's ricochet to the point where he was dreamgate champion and then he was bigger than and then came back and stopped by but it was not necessarily doing the like the big steps in front of the hometown fans but like all these things happened and people would hear about it because it was Ricochet of Dragon Gate. And he would have the Dragon Mark next to him doing it. But it was not happening in front of these fans. Pack. So, oh, go ahead. Uh, I, I was going to say, Pack leaves, goes away for essentially seven years. And you don't see the transformation with it. With Diamante, or with Luis Monte Monte, we get to see it play out in front of us. We've seen it happen in front of us since 2020. Since 2019. Since this guy showed up and we were going what is this guy doing here he was the, horrible he was he, he was he was we, we
1: said we said he was maybe the worst foreigner they've ever brought in
2: and we've seen him progress now to the point where last week in front of almost 1350 fans in cork and hall it was the loudest moment in the company in years in years and yes some of that is the fact that cheering and all of that but case we, we this is not a fan base as was known to be silent during the pandemic we we got to see something special there and i think that in of itself is going to make the comparison of monte versus pack monte versus ricochet going to be so interesting over the next 18 months because we get to see the elevation happen play out in front of us whereas we weren't necessarily given those moments with the other two
1: I so remind me again. So your order is Ricochet, Pac, Monte.
2: No, uh, Pac, Ricochet, then Monte. Okay. And pretty big distance between, uh, Pac and Ricochet.
1: Okay. All right. I've fallen out. Yeah. I'm, I, I I'm with you. Pac is my number one, and I think it's going to take a Monte Dreamgate run to to maybe dethrone him there. I do really feel like Monte and Ricochet are neck and neck right now, and I'm kind of just waiting on that next thing, and I don't know what that is, but I think three or four months from now something's going to hit us and I'm going to come on and say, this is remember that conversation in November it's happened. And Monte is now the guy that we have to look at as genuine foreign excellence. And, you know, I mean, Ricochet was not a shoe in when he came over, but I think 2010 Ricochet was further along than 2019 Diamante 2007 Pac was not a shoe in, but I think he was further ahead than 2019 Diamante. The growth that this guy has made in less than five years is the greatest testament to if you go to Drangit, you will get better.
0: New customer offer, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
2: Yeah, I, I don't think there's a better way to describe him than that. Uh, well, we were talking about Baby Bird in case, and I think that it, I'm just ripping the band aid. We're not doing a fancy transition here. Uh, the other big story coming out of Cork and Hall last Thursday was the eight-man tag d courage versus natural vibes the first eight-man tag for d courage as a four-man group as the show opened with the formal uh announcement uh, the formal invitation of ryoya tanaka to join d courage he does so and joins them in the semi-main event d courage versus kz jason lee strong machine j and jackie funky Kame. it is Kame getting the win with a uh with a JFK out of a Jackie knife and looking like he was just one moment away getting penned by the rookie upstart. And I think we have to just immediately talk about the rocket ship baby bird match that we got to see. K says, in one night, the company did it again, right? Tanaka is now a guy.
1: So this is what sets Dragon Gate apart from every other promotion. And you and I obviously, you know, have never stopped down and gone. This is what we like about Dragon Gate. This is why we do this podcast. But I think it's worth noting within the confines of this match that this, this match right here, forget the emotion in storytelling of the main event, where the main event was storytelling done right. It wasn't over dramatic. It actually had emotion to it, and it was just beautifully laid out. It's matches like this, that for a promotion, oddly enough, that is known for, Poppin' Circumstance and moves with a Z and being fast-moving and progressive. It's the fact that Drangit does the little things that I think set them apart from every other promotion. And I think, and I'll go through a few different examples here, the thing that still sets this promotion apart, whether it's Shima's promotion or Shingo's on top or Yamadoi's on top or now we see D-Courage on top, is that they are able to have matches like this. I don't think there's ever been a promotion in the history of wrestling that is six as, as, as successful as anointing guys within a match. Because we knew from the opening sequence this match was entirely going to be about Ryoya Tanaka and it was a sink or swim moment for him. If he would have slipped on a dive, or if he would have been late on a transition, if he would have botched a roll-up, a you know, flash pin sequence, okay. We would have known he would have been exposed and we would have gone one step forward, two steps back. But Tanaka follows in this lineage of Dragon Gate guys that are thrown into the deep end. And it turns out that they know how to swim And this match was so special because in the line of great matches that we've seen this year and the lineage of great matches to come next year, five years from now, a decade from now, we are going to remember this match. They did something special with Tanaka here in the same way that on March 31st, 2006, the guys in Dragon Gate got together. They, they went up to Gabe Sapolsky and they said, watch, we're going to make Dragon Kid a star in this match. And then they did. In the same way that Shima baby-birded Ricochet at Untouchable 2010 in Chicago, it was Shima and Ricochet versus Speed Muscle. And the entire match was, look at all of these things Ricochet can do he is now a superstar and it worked in the same way that Takahiro Yamamura got the chance in 2017 to have a 20 minute time limit draw match number two and then come back in the semi main event and show his worth. He was a main man going forward. I don't think there's a promotion, especially in multi-man matches that can do what these guys do. They push all of their chips in. And they have these little moments throughout the match. Mike, think about this. The match opens. They start off hot. D Courage clears the ring. And Ryoya Tanaka does a huge no-touch tope to the floor. It is an immediate spotlight on the new guy. And he sticks the landing. As they go throughout the match, there's a great spot where uh, Daya does a dive. And then Yoshioka does a dive. And then Kakuta does a hip attack. And again, they leave Tanaka in the ring to do his signature move, and he hits that Spanish fly, and he nearly gets the pin. The focus is all on him. And then they go to the finish, and even though Tanaka loses, the focus is on him, and he's hanging in there with Kame, who might be the single best worker on the roster, not named Shun Skywalker. He's right there with him. It is impossible not to think higher of Ryoya Tanaka after watching this match and they did it in such an interesting way. And here's where I want to compare it to other promotions before I kick it back to you. You think about the way that other promotions have elevated guys within the ring in Noah and all Japan. And this is a generalization, but I think this is largely true. They get their ass kicked and it elevates them up the card. Think about the Kenta trial series. Think about what Nakajima went through. Think about what Kiyomiya went through just a few years ago. There's not a lot of Noah matches uh, because they come from the branch of all All Japan where you have shining young guy doing great things in a match and that makes him better off. What you have is shiny young guy gets kicked in the face as hard as he can. The crowd connects to him and then you slow build from there. But it's never an example of like, oh my God, did you see Kiyomiya? Like he did all of these great things. He went lockstep with so-and-so and now he's a big star. That's not the way they do these things. In New Japan, it's so built off of the finish. Okada and Tanahashi in February of 2012, they could have had the same match they had. Okada could have done all of the same things that he did, but if he would have taken a high fly flow at the end, it, Okada's career just would have never been the same. You think about the G1 finals where they make guys, where they establish guys, where they set them on their way to headline Wrestle Kingdom. It's not what they do in the match. It's what they do in the finish. The finish is what matters there, possibly because they're you know, the king of sport. They're supposed to be as lifelike as they possibly can. It's a matter of wins and losses. Dragon Gate, to me, and I'm curious as to what you think, is the only promotion that can make guys within the confines of the match win or loss. And it's not that one way is better than the other. It's not that one is right and wrong, but I just love what they do time after time after time after time. And Ryoya Tanaka was just another example of that.
2: And I think a way that they accomplished this, and I, I, I think you're dead on with your points, is that how many times have we seen D-Courage versus Natural Vibes over the last 18 months? Like, esen- essentially since uh, Madoka Kakuda has joined D-Courage and it became a trio, that has been a constant match. That has been a match that they have run by almost every combination they've had a dragon candidate kid in to make it an eight man. They found all the ways you could do those sorts of matches. And you do all those matches in the house shows. You do them match three, match four on Kobe, you know, not in the main event, but you do these matches so much and you get so familiar with each other to an extent that in a lot of ways, we got kind of two matches happening here. we got, the Natural Vibes versus Decourage match that we've seen upwards of 20, 30 times. Or we also have this interesting debut kind of breaking out of this guy getting plugged into this established formula and Decourage throughout the match. And I thought that this was like one of the real brilliant things about the match going like, oh, they aren't completely a flowing four guy group yet. You have... Uh, Yoshioka and Kakuta going like, get out of the way Tanaka we're doing stuff here or they're like okay we're waiting for you to that you could tell that this is a unit that's figuring it out there and I find that so compelling that you don't have those opportunities for storytelling in the way that King's Road tells stories as you say as you said you, you grow to love them by seeing them get the tar beat out of them and you aspire for them to win you get the catharsis through that
1: yeah and it largely works i mean for no one
2: no one hasn't worked in 15 years but
1: it worked for a long time in theory it it worked
2: there was a reason why everyone just went to baba and was like oh he's a genius because he figured out a very simple formula that people were going to buy into with that but i think that you have so many things that kind of create the modern house style in dragon gate i think that A lot of it, I think one of the reasons why this match got pulled off, though, goes back to the fact of how many times D. Courage would have faced off against this combination in a lead up to it. That allows them to hit all of their sequences perfectly, and that allows basically the eye to be drawn to Roya Tanaka throughout the match.
1: I'm so interested in I, I I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to send off some DMs. I don't know if they'll get answered or not, but I, I'm gonna try to ask around on Tanaka because I think the way that he's been presented has been so interesting. Because I've harped on this and I'll make it quick again. But like, you know, guy came in, had all this hype around him, but it's not like he was immediately thrust into the spotlight, and it's not like he was doing these crazy things. He was, you know, he was a guy that was showing a lot of potential and slowly getting better and better. He reminds me of like, if you remember when the Bucks did their first Dragon Gate tour, they've talked about how they were so nervous before the tour because they were like, oh my God, like they, they go so fast, you know, how are we going to keep up? And then they realized after a few shows, it was like, oh, it's a formula. Like they, they plug and play, but there's rhythms here that we can keep up with. And I almost feel like in the same way, like, I don't think Kato got this treatment. You know, I don't think T and Revolution was going to get this treatment. I don't even think, like, you look at the class before, Kamei and Kabune and Kakuta. They were, I, I think they were thrown into higher impact, heavy intensity matches quicker. With Tanaka, they really let him figure out a sort of baseline, his own sort of rhythm, and then they, they plugged and played into Vibes and D-Courage, which is a winning combination, no matter who's in Vibes and obviously the trio and D-Courage. It just works every time. And Tanaka, you know, he's going to he's going to join this illustrious group of successful multi-man matches now just by being himself. It it seems like it's the perfect scenario for him.
2: So just for a point of comparison, I wanted to check this out here. Uh, Madoka Kakuta has been in 30 matches with KZ since he joined Natural Vibes. 30. Jesus. So and it's something where the two days before this, they essentially had, if not the same match Everyone except for UT gained subbed in for Kame. So Like they will do this match now on repeat. It's now the new touring match. I feel like
1: it is. It is, and, and we go through different eras of this where you know they're gonna trot this out to the tiny towns and and they're gonna try to make something out of Tanaka in every market they've got, and they're in no rush. He's a young guy. He's got the rest of his career ahead of him, but man, he's off to a good start. I mean, you know, credit to you, you've been screaming about discourage getting somebody new in the mix, and I don't think they could have found a better option than Ryoya Tanaka.
2: And it's something that, I mean, we look at what Tanaka has done so far, and it's not for a lack of opportunity. Whenever he's been put in the positions, he's by and large done this. Uh, uh, Just something that amuses me, Case, uh, Ryoya Tanaka has a cage match profile. I still don't think Manorita has one.
1: Oh, well, we got to get on that then. Cage oh, Manorita on has, one. Okay, all right. has no, one. You know who doesn't have one is Estrella.
2: I mean, does Estrella need to have one? Well,
1: I think he'd have a very interesting cage match profile.
2: <laughs> that, that, that is very uh, Estrella, true. I
1: was leaving work a few days ago. And Estrella posted a photo on his Instagram story that was at like two minutes away from my office. And I just, I was like, oh my God, where is this short Japanese man? I want to say hi to him so bad. <laughs> I was like, he, oh, the- is, he is breathing on me. He is so close to where I'm at. It's a shame I can't find him right now.
2: Yeah, so uh, still does not have a profile.
1: Yeah, uh, that's, that's a shame just because we're eventually, when he gets a profile, we'll fall into an Estrella wormhole and go wow so that's what the midwest indies were like in 2023
2: so i'm enjoying this right now if you couldn't tell case uh people who still have who are still listed on the dragon gate roster on cage match right now i'll be quick we're not gonna take a lot of time can i take
1: some guesses as to who's there oh yeah please do naoki tanazaki
2: naoki tanazaki not listed oji shiba oji shiba oh for two you're doing real good at picking people who are not on the roster
1: Okay, here's the one that I want, and I'll stop guessing after this. I hope this person's still listed. Are you ready? Yep. Anthony Nice.
2: sadly, is not like the Gayora website. Uh, I, I, <laughs> where,
1: where, for those that don't know, Anthony Nice did one tour literally ten years ago. It was October, November of 2013, and he had a profile on the Gayora website through like mid 2016. They just wouldn't get yeah. rid of his page.
2: I have, uh, basically, up until Monster Express finally died. He was listed on profile. Like, I have Dragon Gate programs with uh, Anthony Niece in it, like, three years, like, after Cruiserweight Classic appeared. So, people on this profile page that will get a laugh out of case. uh First first off, Kenichiro Arai, naturally, he's on this profile hey, page. He's, also, he's on the roster. He's on the roster. I mean, you, you kind of got to do that for him. And Anthony W. Morey, he's listed. I mean, he's a head of the front office, but he's listed on the roster. I do have a question about if they should really have Sora Fuchikawa still listed on the roster.
1: Uh, he, he should be taken off that roster.
2: Yeah. Sora and Fuchik- look in
1: my heart, he's still there in my hey. heart. So much potential, but not on the roster anymore.
2: Taku Awasa listed on the roster.
1: Here. <laughs> uh, a, a man still on the roster in your heart, but I don't think in all actuality,
2: I mean, has never left it, baby. I mean, uh, well, what else is there to say about that? Up. Uh, Getting back to the eight-man tag, I think the thing that really, talking about Tanaka taking the opportunities here, every single sequence ended with focus going towards Tanaka. The heat was not on Daya for the first time ever in a decourage match. It was on Tanaka, and Tanaka was great at playing Babyface in peril. He's got it, and the crowd is going to latch on to it. I just really, the, the thing that got me on this was yoshioka maybe found his special role as the big heater like his hot tag here case
1: yeah no this was all i everything about this was great i mean i still marvel at just how good kamei is you know it's it's another one of those things that's something we talk about a lot where you know if these guys worked in another promotion i feel like they'd get more credit and if Kame was even a New Japan junior at his talent level, I think people would just be salivating over the guy. You know, I think there'd be, you know, period at Tony Khan. When is Jackie Funky Kame coming over? He's just not getting the right eyeballs on him. But, you know, I, I'm assembling the list of the best 50 wrestlers in the world this year. And Kame is a top 20 guy. He just has to be. You know, you think about not only the great matches he's been in, but he's become the go-to glue guy. And it's funny, like you and I, Again, not to pat ourselves on the back, but we kind of nailed this a few years ago. We said, look, Kamei is turning into this generation's Genki Horoguchi. It doesn't seem like an accident that they're, they're teaming together. And now Kamei is this generation's Genki Horoguchi. Like they are, it's it's amazing how that worked out, isn't it?
2: He's Big Match Jack. And I feel like I've been like screaming that. And what it boils down to essentially, and I, I it's a Dragon Gate being Dragon Gate thing. I, You take Jackie, Funky Kamei, you put him on the Japanese indies. And I bet he instantly gets more of like a smattering of talk. I would say. Yeah, oh my
1: God. Yeah. I mean, there was nobody on the indies other than maybe, I mean, I like Brian Keith, but Kamei better. I mean, Kamei, if Kamei was, Kame was an American wrestler, people would, again, they think of him as one of the best wrestlers in the world.
2: But I would think if he was even a Japanese indie wrestler, we would probably hear a little bit more. Just oh God. Be-
1: yeah. Oh my God. Cause the, like, and I say this with love, but like the big Japan perverts, they'd be all about right. him.
2: Yeah, no, no. The, th- th- that's... the
1: DDT people? It,
2: it, if he was an astronaut instead of Nomura, like, I, I, we wouldn't be able to go anywhere without hearing about that tag team.
1: No, and this is, I mean, like, literally no hate. Like, this isn't no, a knock no. on anybody. But he's better than Mao in DDT.
2: I mean... You it's... know,
1: that's like, that's like the compass. like, think about the buzz that he gets. And I think he's great, mind you. But Kamei's, you know, twice the wrestler he is.
2: Is Kamei better than yuki Weno.
1: i think so but i'm not super high on him
2: i'm high on Weno. i think he is great i he is the first et young guy who i've actually like reached out and grabbed me when i saw him but i
1: I don't i don't look at him i i guess let me clarify i think he's i think he's fine i don't look at him as like oh that's a guy like i'm circling his name i gotta watch all of his stuff that hits tape that's just not not where I'm at with anybody in DDT right now, but no, I mean, I, I think Kamei's better, but uh, I at least think that one's a little closer.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I'm trying to think of, like, how—but but but, but pe- do people watch DDT now? That's the thing. Like, I don't like, know. I was, I was, think I, of, like, I was just I was thinking, thinking about it, that. If I, was, if, if I could say something hyperbolic enough that people would actually, like, push back, but— uh, What's I What's the say, big
1: DDT match this year? Because I—I I don't have— any on my spreadsheet
2: i i think it's either jericho versus akasha or uh brooks versus uh i i, I mean like i i i like brooks versus when brooks won the title but i the, the that also requires a a, a whole lot of yuji you know you know like like a lot of yuji Hino. Know. Like, that's the thing.
1: And I, I was into that a decade ago. I'm not as into it now.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. It's kind of sad. OK,
1: so it's all, I like in look, I haven't watched a single Brooks defense, but it looks like it's a lot of Brooks stuff that got pimped pretty hard on cage match this year, kind of floating around that 8.0 range. But I mean, maybe. Oh, I watched Brooks versus Higuchi. That was good. That was from May. I remember that. But it's not like like I don't think I'm ignoring DDT Rex this year. I just don't think there's a lot of them
2: yeah that, that just seems to be kind of distinctly the vibe happening uh at least over there with but that I, but I
1: would say i would say other than Takesha and yeah, maybe higuchi but it feels like i mean higuchi was one of the best wrestlers in the world last year i don't think he's done anything notable this year and that's maybe on higuchi i you know i think kamei is better than that entire roster
2: i mean endo is the one that i feel like just sadly oh, I like, think
1: is better than endo
2: I, I, I think Endo doesn't get concussed, and we have a different conversation here. Yeah,
1: I, I don't know. That's the thing. Look, Takeshita's like, who he became, and Endo was Endo, and I think that's kind of everything that, that needs to be said there. And granted, you know, maybe somebody had aspirations for North America, and somebody did it, but no, I mean, I haven't, I haven't cared about Endo in a long time. I mean, you know, he peaks very high, but I have no interest in, like, the match-to-match life of Tetsuya Endo.
2: That's fair. That's fair. Uh, did you have any other big notes on uh, Decourage versus Natural Vibes? I I imagine this will probably make the gay or YouTube in pretty short order, I think. Yeah, that's
1: a great call. Uh, no, the, the only other thing I want to note is they're doing something interesting with Tanaka, where it's kind of one of those things, take note of it now and enjoy the payoff later. I can't tell what direction. Like, I don't know how they're going to pay it off, but this is two matches in a row where he's essentially lost just by being like a new guy you know he hits the the stardust pressed on ishin and then ishin rolls his momentum into a pinfall and he loses that way and then here you know he hits a big suplex on kamei in the middle of the ring and then he goes to step over Kame, and Kame grabs him jackie knife tanaka reverses the pin but then he gets caught you know torbellino crucifix and then he's done it's two times in a row now where they've, they've done a very specific, like, Hey, Tanaka gets caught being oblivious. Just be aware of that going forward.
2: And elsewhere on this Corkin show, we talked about that. The undercard wasn't necessarily there. It wasn't necessarily a deep undercard. We did have a big match five. We talked about it on the preview. Uh, Misaki Mochizuki versus Yoshiki Kato. Yoshiki Kato wins by uh disqualification as a injured junior hits the ring throws off a uh, referee yagi and tries to beat this guy's ass uh, uh he then in the post match uh afterwards uh junior it really just decided that he's gonna want to take on everyone case after he comes back from this injury it feels like
1: yeah i i i did not see this coming and i you know it's again it's one of those crystal ball moments where it's like, okay, well, I want to know obviously what they would have done if T and never got hurt. But now I want to know what they were going to do before junior dislocated his kneecap, which sounds by the way, like a terrible injury. Oh my God. Uh, yeah.
2: That, that, that there are a few things to me that like sound like personally more horrifying than dislocating your kneecap. Uh, yeah, And I guess that really answers the question about that spot at gate of destiny.
1: Yeah. It's a real, it's a real bummer because you know, this year has been marred by injury, and I still think he's just been otherworldly. So it, it's a shame he can't finish the year with a big match. But yeah, you get Kato versus Mochi in a singles match here. Love the start where Mochi greets him with a straight right hand to the face. And it looks like that could have been the match. Kato comes back. Credit to him. He purpled the chest of Mochizuki with a few of those chops. And then right when Kato starts to get momentum, Junior comes in, beats him up with a crush, beats up Yagi. And so we're not only going to get Junior versus Kato, obviously, at some point, but like you were saying, Junior laid down the gauntlet and we'll get that father and son match eventually.
2: Yeah. So uh, don't have an injury report on expectations. Just like just if you're getting a sense of mind, I think probably we won't see Junior again this year. January, I feel pretty confident about, I would say. But yeah, he basically says, like, I'm done with all of this. I'm done. With uh, getting turned on, I'm done with you, dad. And I'm going to, when I come back, I, I want to take everyone on. I want a singles match with you. And big moment. And I think that really what we were trying to figure out, like M3K, we were at a point where, you know, Junior being out, everything kind of accomplished. Twin Gates, Office of Sumo and Conda, you could close up shop. And now we kind of have the last thing to do before M3K can go away. And that is junior trying to kick his dad's ass
1: it's excellent you know i look i as we approach the 25th anniversary of the dragon system next year and you and i have a lot of stuff planned you know especially just with the history of certain units i think m3k is a unit that i am gonna remember very fondly a year from now and i think five years from now and a decade from now it will also age very very well i love what they've done with this unit i love what they've done for junior it's a shame it seems like it's coming to an end by way of a junior injury, but I, I am glad they're getting to this point. Cause now I feel like they've gotten everything they can out of this unit.
2: Case. So I'm going to age myself here. Uh, have you ever seen a 2007, uh, comedy ode hot mm. rod? Uh,
1: okay. That's a movie that is big with people my age, but it's right, also yeah. not, it's not a movie that I've seen.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, like, a Lonely Island plus uh, Danny McBride slapstick fest really wasn't your thing. But the overall conceit about it was eventually Andy Seiberg wanted to beat the shit out of his stepdad, played by Ian McShane. And I do kind of feel like now we are entering a phase where Junior's going to do whatever he can now to try to punch his dad in the face. And I'm here <laughs> for that.
1: I'm into it. I really, really enjoy Uh, what they've done with jr this year as i've said he's been interesting since the moment he debuted in this promotion they've kept him interesting since the moment he debuted in this promotion and i'm all for it
2: yeah and it's something where i feel like you do these two matches you're able to kind of put a bow on the m3k era and now we we only got glimpses of it and it was always something that kind of came back and bit jr like other than like him leading the troops into Buyuden, there's not a whole lot of Junior with like his peers that I think that that's going to be the really fun thing about him in 2024. Is now it feels like he can he can explore that, and I and I'm and I'm interested to see like all right now obviously he has beef against Kato, but what is going to happen when uh, uh, Kaito Nagano comes back and now like how is he going to play into these kind of things? Like we're starting to like. I feel like that the big story of the last like 10 days is kind of finally getting this sort of identity for the uh, 2021s and 2022 kids.
1: I, I think that's a great point is it does feel like we're slowly, uh, maybe not slowly rather, but maybe we're just simply transitioning into a stage where guys that have been in a certain place are not going to be in that place at this time next year, at least ideally. So it, it's been good movement up and down the card. I, I'm look, I'm thrilled as we head into the end of the year, you know, December is very busy uh it i was just looking at the calendar uh as it conflicts with my personal schedule and i was like oh that first week of december is not not a good one for me but i i will i will catch up i will binge watch and i am very excited for what's to come uh in december with drangate
2: absolutely uh, let me run through the full uh corking card real quick before we move on and start to wrap things up uh uh we, we talked about most of it uh Otherwhere on the undercard they opened with daiki Onikuchi versus punch somonaga punch one with six minutes with a pt kick uh big boss shimizu and ut versus ginky horiguchi and takashi yoshida it was shimizu with the power boss bomb on horiguchi and then we had a, a veterans match uh a mochizuki azushi kanda and proud hanshin tiger fan Kenichiro orai coming out and Not just the jersey, but the yellow tights supporting the Hanshin Tigers, uh, Japan Series win. Uh, that that didn't help them out. They still lost to Ultimo, Don Fuji, and Kagatora. Kaganui on, on, uh, Yuzushi Kanda. Kagatora's gotten a couple guys with that on the undercard. Something maybe not worth paying a pen in, but don't act surprised when he gets like a big flash pen with that soon. And then we had an eight man tag, uh, Yamato, Dragon Kid, Shushi Kondo, and Ata versus uh Naruki Doi and uh Gold Class. He came out with Gold Class, not a member of Gold Class. Binke got the pen or, or got pinned by Yamato with the Frankensteiner of the Almighty. That match had a little bit more heart than I expected.
1: Oh, it was it was a good little time. I really, I love the spot. I, I, I can't think of the move name right now. What, what's the move Kondo does where he, he's standing? In front of the guy, and he grabs him by the head and throws him over oh, his body. oh, the hair whip move? Yeah, I call it. Thank you. I call it the hair whip too. That's what I always have in my notes. So is on the map, and he does that with Ata. And then he does that with uh with uh um uh Dragon Kid. And then he has this great moment with Yamato where he and Yamato stare each other down, and Yamato's like, all right, you know, I I guess we're gonna do this, and then he does it to Yamato. Uh, that is a goaltending on the Philadelphia 76ers. Sorry, we're coming down to the closing wire here. I got distracted. Uh, he, he, he and Yamato do it, and then Minora moves out of the way. It was just fantastic. It was it was a classic Dragon gate spot.
2: Yeah, it was a good bit of fun there. Uh, it, it just was a, a good undercard when a Punch Tomonaga opener did not completely ruin me because Daiki went for it the entire match. It was a good it, it was a solid cork in the end and yet another one in the streak that they've had that they really were able to do this. I'm just for my own edification case. I pulled up one of the few uh Wikias that have moves and Shuji Kondo used a shooting star press allegedly once in 2010 as a finishing move.
1: I need to see the tape on that. That sounds like a project for Alan Forel. I'm sure he knows.
2: Yep. 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 I part of me saying this was hoping that alan would notice me say yeah, this and just, be that's, like,
1: that's in his wheelhouse you know we've yeah. all got we've all got our specialty and that is up his alley
2: yeah 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 if there's one person i know that we could trust with the uh the secrets of you're gonna know where a uh, shuji kondo shooting star attempt was it would be him for that but it was a pretty solid Corkin and hall show all together uh uh, we, we, we talked a little bit about this when we were talking about the eight-man tag. Elevation matches, of course, we've talked a lot about the Takehiro Yamamura in 2017 as an elevation match, and really an elevation match, an elevation night. Uh, the uh, Untouchable uh, Spike Mohicans versus Speed Muscle match as well. Okay, uh, so do, what other ones do you have on your list? I've got a couple great elevation matches in Dragon Gate history, because it feels like that this is the unique thing to this promotion yeah yeah so
0: again
1: in the same vein as that tanaka eight man I, I would have the ones you listed i would have uh jackie funky Kame and jason lee versus shun monte from kobe world 2022 i think that was the match where they they said this is the jackie funky Kame match he's wrestler a going into the match he's wrestler b coming out of it and i think they succeeded there uh i mentioned takahiro yamamura earlier the other one that i wanted to mention I think it was successful in the moment. It failed in the long term, but it's a match that I rewatched today. And it is it is just so marvelous. And they set this guy up for success and it just didn't work out. But Shima and June, all caps June from the T2P class versus Magnum Tokyo and Milano Collection AT October 15th, 2003. June was a a, uh, late uh, a new member rather to Crazy Max. He teams with Shima and you got three of the four big dogs in there. And then June, and he looks like a big dog for that match and that match only.
2: Yeah, that is the, a one match comp tape for him. So one of the, a, a one that I had case that I, I, I kind of want your thoughts on this one, because I view it as an elevation match, like in the vein of, uh, Jackie Funky Kame walked into Cork and Hall or not Cork and Hall, uh, uh, Kobe World Kenan Hall last year and exited a different person. I want to take you to 2011. Uh, the return of Akira Tozawa from Excursion, the Gate of Maximum show from June 8th. Uh, Blood Warriors, the debuting Blood Warriors, Akira Tazawa, BB Hulk, Shima, Naruki, Doi, Nizushi, Kanda, Defeat, Gamma, Masaki, Mochizuki, Masato, Yoshino, Shingo, Takagi, Yamato of Junction 3, And this was one where I think that although this was the heel turn for Hulk and he is elevated with this, Akira Tozawa comes back to a shocked crowd and leaves after stacking up Gamma's body and becoming a whole new person and the company changes thereafter.
1: I think that's a great comp. That's not what I thought of.
2: Yeah, it was just one of the ones where I was just like, can you argue this as being the big elevation one? Because this wasn't necessarily the performance. This was just pure booking got Tozawa to zawa to
1: yeah no that's you're, you're exactly right
2: so those were a couple more of those uh a couple other notes before we got out of here uh naruki doi i don't think this got officially announced but it looks like that probably ddt will be announcing this soon uh takesha is back in the states for his current tour with all elite wrestling he has mentioned that and doi responded that. Uh, One of the people that he's interested in seeing in DDT now and getting a match with is Naruki Doi, since Naruki Doi has started to freelance. And really, DDT, other than like the big Dragon Gate shows and like the constant Dragon Gate shows, I would say DDT is kind of Doi's home. And it looks like they are building that one up in the future.
1: Yep, that is good stuff there. Uh, you know, obviously, just to backtrack for one second, if you can think of any other made man matches like we were just talking oh, about, yeah. please let please let us know in the Discord because mm-hmm. I'm I'm curious and I'm trying to put together a little list of those. But uh as for Doi Takeshita, that match sounds awesome, and I hope DDT does it, and I hope it is as good as we want it to be because Doi's had a very good year and to Takeshita, so good on DDT for doing that.
2: Yeah, it's something where I look at that, and although that they're going to want to do that in Osaka. I really want them to keep that match in. Uh, I I, I want them to keep that match in Tokyo. That just seems to make a lot of sense. I've been trying to stall a little bit case. I'm trying to look up the exact match and the date for this, but I had had another one I was going to throw at you to see if you bought it for uh, a rocket ship made men matches. If you give me just one second. Yeah, Uh, no,
1: I please, please dig in because I just, like I said earlier, you know, I think it's one of those things that Drangate does and they do it better than anybody. And I just I struggle to think outside of the basic young lion system where, you know, I can think of like even like Okada young lion matches like they, you know, there were times where it was like, oh, this guy's this guy's going to be a guy. You know, you think about young Kenta and stuff like that. I just don't think any other promotion does it the way Dragon Gate does it, where it's it's ham fisted and it's over the top, but it's effective and they have this track record of being really effective with it. I just think it's such an interesting topic.
2: What was the okay? Now I can't find the show. Did wasn't there a match that both El Lindemann and Katoka jumped in on as millennials? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, that this was exactly what I was thinking about. All right, my last one case for you. Uh, this was from uh, January 16th, 2015. Uh, this one not as strong, not as made men, but at least for two people on the roster, this was their big step up and really made them, especially one of them. In the eyes of the Tokyo audience, uh, this was Mad Blanky, Shima, Cyber Kong, Dr. Muscle, Gamma, Kanes, and Yamato versus millenni- Millennials, eta T-Hawk, UT, uh, Yosuke, Santa Maria, and new members as of that night, Katoka, and Yuga Hayashi, who would rename himself as L Lindeman after this match.
1: What was the date on that?
2: This was January 16th, 2015
1: oh man i don't i don't remember that i mean i i watched it i reviewed well i, I don't think i reviewed that I, I was doing reviews as
2: july man yeah, i don't remember that that th- this was the uh first quark in the year that had a a uh pretty uh i i will say this can it, you go through
1: the card can you just read yeah, that card for I, me? i,
2: I want to go through this card because this one a night uh a dream key tournament is insane so it opened with uh, oh
1: oh was this the did they do shimizu and Susumu on this show
2: yes they did okay yes, sorry they, sorry yeah, I, yeah. okay so, i, so I so remember this out. show Let's i show don't i don't
1: remember this match okay go ahead
2: so this show uh was a it opened with jimmy's versus unaffiliated this was Ginki horiguchi kakatora and Sairio uh defeat katoka super shisa and then then yuga hayashi that's my uh,
1: super team right there Kotoka Shisa and Yuga Hayashi that's okay. my uh, <laughs> you know you, you you put a certain dollar figure in my wallet and uh, boy are you gonna see that trio a lot of Japan
2: <laughs> and then you throw uh, you, you throw uh, Yuga into the van and tell him to go get his hair dyed yep, yep, that's this...
1: uh, coming to basement monster near you <laughs> uh, the case the slow produce show Kotoka Super Shisa and the, the man formerly known as Yuga Hayashi they are a trio one once
2: again, you, you know, that's not too far. We, we could get this on a Glate show if you're OK with doing a 60 seconds reunion and we can get a little bit Shiba and Shiba action.
1: The fact that you, the, the concept of a 60 seconds reunion is so foreign <laughs> to me, I just can't. I can't embrace that.
2: So the rest of the show, we had Jimmy's Jimmy Kanda, Mr. QQ, Naoku, Tanizaki, Tonyaka, Dr- Dolphin. Almost said that perfectly, though, which I've been proud of. Uh, defeat Mondai Ryu and punch Tomonaga of Mad Blanky or open the Dreamgate uh, number one contendership one-night tournament. Shimzu over Don Fuji in two minutes and 56 seconds. Uh, Jimmy Sasumu defeats Kenichiro Arai. So if you're wondering who was the other people in this tournament, Kenichiro Arai, uh, Die Hearts uh, defeat Monster Express. This was uh, Tozawa, Shingo, and Sachi uh, team. And then you had the five-on-four Mad Blanky defeat the Millennials, and then they bring out their new uh, Millennials members Katoka and Yuga Hayashi to defeat Mad Blanky on the path towards the end of Mad Blanky.
1: That's crazy. I don't remember this show outside of Shimizu versus Susumu, which was awesome, great but match. I I don't I don't remember the rest of this show. You know, I like I really liked a lot of the Diehards Monster Express stuff, but I don't recall that six man. I don't recall Mad Blanky Millennials. Uh, yeah, that's so uh, weird. I mean, obviously, it's uh, January 2015, Cork, and who the hell cares? But I'm pretty good at this stuff, and I'm, I'm surprised I don't remember this show.
2: Yeah, I, I feel like the big thing that was talked about at the time was, oh, they did the whole Katoka and El uh, Lindemann dyed their hair during the show to pull off the uh, turn. Like, that was kind of like the big thing. So they came out in, like, brand new gear and, and new hair color. during.
1: People, people thought Lindemann ruined his career when he changed his name because Yuga Hayashi was such a good name. Hayashi's very chantable. And
2: mm-hmm. he went to
1: Lindemann. And look, I wish you I wish you would have changed it back at some point, but he's turned out okay.
2: It, it, it's worked out for him. Like, it, it, if you were to tell me in on January 16th, 2015th, okay, so here are the next eight years for el linda men i feel like i've been like you know that's weird like, <laughs> yeah,
1: it's not how i drew it up yeah, but... yeah
2: yeah 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 that sounds like that some stuff's going down and then i'll be like yeah some stuff went down oh let you me have tell no you, idea well, let, let me tell you about what you discover a wrestlemania weekend i was just gonna say you'll never yeah.
1: believe what my current at wrestlemania weekend
2: <laughs> <laughs> so but that was just one more uh, big elevation match we wanted to touch on. But yeah, no, I, I would have to go back in time and explain a lot of things. Like, all right, so he, here's who Tony Khan is. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so you thought Shingo was good now. Yeah. Just you wait a decade.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Akira Tozawa, yeah, no, no, no. He's still doing that. Don't worry. I just want you to know that he's alive. He. He's okay. But just just yeah, but delete him. Just dead to me just but, but i mean he's finally like showing out now
1: oh well, he's got all that potential yeah all, uh, triple h has really unlocked something
2: i i the, the thing that i loved about that gift before we go okay you, you know what's the number one thing that i love about that gift more so than anything else what's that it is the exact same akira tozawa babyface comeback uh, routine that he's done basically since he turned face and joined and sorry oh, yeah, yeah no press. it's
1: great it's it's the same thing it's not even potential he's just doing the same thing he did a decade ago
2: yeah no literally it's like oh yeah no he's doing the okay he's going underneath the legs yeah yep, yep, crawling yep, under yep, german yep, suplex legs, got it yep, okay got it. there you go yep
1: and it's like i always talk about how i could do altimo's comeback like how i could feed and bump for him and so the tozawa comebacks the same thing i've seen it a million times i know exactly what he does
2: but at the same time, it was a little affirming knowing that it is the exact same thing that we knew it was.
1: Yep. Yeah. So uh, on air production meeting, Mike, uh, you're you're not available next Tuesday. I'm not available next Monday. So I, I think we're going to take next week off for the holidays.
2: Mm-hmm. That works for me.
1: We do have a Hall of Fame issue coming out this Friday. So listeners of the show allow us to be a week late on our Hall of Fame takes because I have a very bad feeling about this ballot. And this is my platform and I will want to talk about it. So hang tight with me, everybody. And uh we'll we'll see. I feel like in it was like 2020, we said the same thing. We're like, yeah, well, we'll see the results of the election. It'll kind of determine our mood for the next week. Uh, I'm in a very similar spot this year with Dave's Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> this is for this time- is my twenty twenty election
2: for a second i had to go like who was in the observer ballot in 2020 no 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 uh, you <laughs> know, pre- presidential I, the people I, that run the country the free world <laughs> I, I i know that that that's what had me laughing was like why did i go with that you <laughs> Russell brain sick person yeah look I, things were things in
1: america they're gonna work out for me kind of no matter what i've got I've, I've got the right disposition where i'm gonna be fine but the observer hall of fame i could really get fucked here i'm not happy about it
2: <laughs> hey uh and uh, we will be back in a couple weeks to talk all about that and dragon Gate going into their busy december it so happens that there's really not a lot happening on the dragon gate network in november as well so no i think there- there's
1: one more broadcast and it's like a, it's the uh genki homecoming show yeah
2: it's genki's homecoming show at the end of the month even. and that
1: that cool that cool building in kumamoto
2: yeah i wonder if mrs horiguchi is there because she she used to always bring like be the person that would like because she has like a a Cafe in kunamoto that like she always would, would like bring like and like set up like the snack table. I wonder if she's there. I hope they get footage if she's there. I hope so you know? too. But we'll be back in a few weeks to talk about that. You could follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate cases at underscore in your case. I'm at Fujiheya. Thanks for coming to Open Voice Gate. We'll be back with you next time. Take care.
0: new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc hello everyone my name is taylor and i'm kelly and we are the co-hosts of jumping bomb audio the podcast all about joshi pro wrestling here on the voices of wrestling podcast network Every other Monday, we are with you talking about the biggest news in Joshi, along with show reviews, previews, and much, much more.
2: So if you're
1: new to Joshi or you've been a longtime fan, this is the show for you. We've got something for everyone
2: here. So check us out, Jumping Bomb Audio.